Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I can't see your inner part. I can't see your motives. No problem for God. And when we read the Word of God, it penetrates, it exposes who we really are. Then it says, judges. It sifts out the truth. The Word of God reveals the real me. I don't like that sometimes. How about you? But I know the real me is there. Now, how can it do that? Because nothing is hidden from God. And that's a good thing. He can read our hearts. That's what happens when you read the Word of God. Remember, it convicts. I need that. Being able to hide your thoughts and intents makes deception possible. If you want to try to fool someone to make them believe you're something that you aren't, it's pretty easy. God, however, cannot be tricked like that. Pastor Mark will be teaching about God's ability to show you who you really are, whether you want to know it or not. You'll be talking about the power of God's Word and how it can be a catalyst for change in your life. You'll learn how reading God's Word can help you navigate the ups and downs of your daily living, giving you wisdom and insight you won't find anywhere else. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Mark chapter 1 as he continues with his series called Come Apart or Come A-P-A-R-T. Abram doesn't even know where he's going. Just enough to obey. That's all God wants. Because here's what I want you to write. Understand this. We can't please God unless we live by faith. Faith is understanding the promises of God. He won't direct us wrong. His timing is always perfect. So here's what it is. When God speaks with few details, there's things left. He wants to increase our faith. Now, when God came to Abram, Abram was a pagan. He worshiped dead idols. He had never heard of a living God. And when that happened, Abram gave him a few commandments. And basically what God is saying to him, look, leave your country, leave your people. I'm going to take you to a land. You're going to be the head of a nation. You don't even know about the nation. The nation is going to be Israel. The Israel nation will start with you. You're the father. Now, he didn't know the true God. He was a total pagan. But God came. He didn't deserve anything. But God came to him. And here's something very interesting. This is the way... Abram lived his life, separated from God. Now, his God were idols that were dead. They were pieces of stone. He had never in his whole life heard an idol speak to him. But the first time that God walks into the picture, what does God do? 
he speaks personally to Abram. First time in his life he heard a God speak. Why? Because that's the only true God. And notice what he's doing. He's speaking to him. Remember? That's what we're trying to do in this relationship with God. God wants to speak to us. And we need to speak back to him. That's the relationship. And it never happened in Abram. He didn't get it at all. John Stott says it like this. Before man existed, God acted. Before man stirred himself to see God, God sought after man. In the Bible, we don't see man groping after God. We see God reaching after man. You see, when Abram, before he was introduced to God, and it was all God making the first move, Abram tried to be a good person. That's religion. Of course, his religion was a dead religion because it's idols. You can go to a church that believes in God, but you can be dead in your spirit. Because you're trying to get to heaven, which most people believe, by being good enough. That's impossible. So what happens? What's the difference between religion and relationship? Well, Jesus knew that man couldn't be good enough. God sent Jesus, and he reached down. Who made the first move again? God. He sent his son. He loved the world, and he sent his son. See, that's a personal God again. That's a big difference in religion. God sent Jesus. Now, remember in the New Testament, Jesus said it like this. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Anybody glad that God chose you? Who took the first step? God did. Oh, no, Pastor Mark, I was searching for God big time. Who put the emptiness in your heart? God. It's always God. Now, watch the promise he gives to Abraham. Abraham doesn't understand this at all. Remember, he's just beginning. Can you imagine Abraham's wife? When Abraham goes to her, honey, pack up everything. We're moving. What? Where'd you get that idea? Oh, I talked to this. I I didn't get to really see him, but I talked to this God. Really? You talked to somebody that you didn't see? And then she says, well, where are we moving to? I don't know. That's going to be some problems in a few marriages here right now. Right? I don't know. But he goes to her and watch what God promises. Look at verse 2. I, God, will make you into a great nation. Well, what nation is that? The nation of Israel. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. Does anybody talk about Abraham today? The whole world does. The Jewish people do. Actually, the Muslims do. So do the Christians. And you will be a blessing. Now, let me just stop there. You see, when God calls us to do things, it's not just about me. He wants to bless other people through me. It's not selfish. Then verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. Now, what kind of a statement is that? That's talking about the nation of Israel. If people bless the nation of Israel, even though many times the nation of Israel, there's wonderful Christians there. There's wonderful Jewish people there. But most of the Jewish people are secular. They don't even worship God anymore. Well, why should we bless the nation of Israel? Because it's God's nation. He's coming back. Jesus is coming back to set his kingdom up in Jerusalem. So 
You know what's blessed America all these years? We as a nation have blessed Israel. You know what the government wants to do now? The liberal government? To get rid of Israel. Get rid of the Jews. What do you think Iraq and Iran want to do? They want to get rid of him. What will happen to him in the end? They will all be destroyed as nations. When the king of kings comes and sits down here, they're gone. Can you continue to pray for our nation? We don't want to live in a nation that goes against this. And look at the last line. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. Now, who is that? Anybody a Christian? That's you. Notice, when you saw that, all the people on earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. Here's what happened. Jesus Christ would come through the nation of Israel. Has he blessed the whole world? Yes, he has. Now, they have to accept him, but that's the way it was. That's what Satan always tried to stop, Jesus coming through the nation of Israel. Notice all the eyes. I, 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 I. That's a personal God. It's a God that wants to communicate with. I will bless you. I'll encourage you. I'll minister to you. That's the relationship you'll hear when you have a time out with God. Now, verse 4, watch the obedience. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. I like this next part of the verse. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Mr. Mark, why do you like that verse? Because I'm 75 years old. (laughs) And that means there's still hope for me. Here's a 75-year-old brand new Christian. God says, I got a great plan for you. Woo, here we go. You know, God's going to change my plan someday. I won't be in front of you. I'll be, I don't know where I'll be, Timbuktu teaching or whatever, if I can still teach and see what happens. (laughs) Does that encourage me? That encourages me. See, God has a plan for you. No matter your age, it doesn't matter how young you are. This is a brand new Christian. He doesn't know anything. There's no Bible. But there is a God. And he's going to direct his life. So don't be panicked. He knows where you're going. He knows what you're going to do. And by the way, it's never about me. It's never about you. It's about helping other people. That's what he says to Abraham. That's powerful. Now, basically what I'm saying to you, it's never too soon or too late to learn to please God by steps of faith. Just do that in your life. Here's number three. Knowing God and his will requires desire, discipline, dependence, time, solitude, obedience, faith, and prayer. I don't expect you to write that down, but I want to look at it just for a second. If I'm going to follow Jesus, if I'm going to have a relationship personally with him, I have to do a lot of things myself. Now, he'll do plenty. He'll enable me to do it, but I have to do it myself. Desire. You say, well, Pastor Mark has a great sermon, but I really just want to do my life on my own. Well, don't expect God to help. You have to desire. Number two, we don't like this word, discipline. You're going to hear a word later called habit. Some people don't like a habit. Sorry. If it's a godly habit, you want it. It's going to require discipline. When I meet with God, am I saying to God, I got a plan, God. It's better than yours. You won't hear much. Because you have to be dependent on who? The all-knowing God. Next, does it take time? 
Yeah. So think about this. It takes time. So somewhere in here, you'll see in a few moments, I have to give time for God. And we'll talk about the sickness of busyness. All the excuses that we make not to have time to spend with God. Next, solitude. When you have a quiet devotional time with God, you don't need 47 people with you. You need to hear God. Now, my wife and I have devotions, and sometimes I do it by myself. Sometimes we do quite often together. And the dog is with us, but the dog's sleeping. She's always sleeping. And <clears throat> See, if your dog's jumping up and down on your lap and barking and whatever, and the gradkins are all around you, how much solitude are you going to have? You'll never hear anything from God. Next, here's the key. I have to choose to obey. Now, he'll give me the strength to do it, but I'll have to choose that. And then that's going to require faith. Just like Abraham, where are we going to? I don't know, but I'm going to follow. That's what it is. You can't please God without faith. And last, there's always prayer. Speaking back and forth to God. That's what happens in these two chairs, happens in their life. Look at verse 5. And he, Abram, took his wife, Sarah, and his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had acquired. By the way, they were very rich. And the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of a great tree at Moriah, at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites, the enemies, were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give you this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Abram made an altar and began to worship the one true God. He declared his faith by doing that in God's promises. This is the first true place of worship ever erected in the promised land. Abraham, the starter of the nation of Israel by God's will, that's the first place of worship erected in the promised land. When Abraham would move as God would direct him, he would move his tent, that's what they lived in, and he would build another place of worship, another altar, and worship the God. Thank him. Thank God. That became a habit because he was doing life with God. Can I say to you, this is a picture God here, me here, of worship. It's a picture of an altar. When you're here and you're worshiping God, it's an altar. By the way, do you know God's here when we're here? Where two or three are gathered together? There he is. You're not worshiping the band. You're not worshiping my teaching. God help you. We're worshiping the one true God. And this is what this is. It can be done corporately. But really, hearing God, most of the time, is going to be done privately. You'll see how that works in a moment. But he does speak to us. He's speaking to you right now, here. Now, knowing God in his will requires solitude, getting alone with God. Here's what happens. If you start with the Old Testament, how does God speak? Well, he speaks audibly, but only to a very small group of people. Abraham, Moses, so forth, Joshua. He only speaks to a special group of people, and then they would have to tell the other people. God never spoke audibly to most people at all. It's just a select group. So he would show them direction and the will of God for the people. But when you come to the New Testament, it's very different. 
We see that God speaks in lots of different ways, but rarely ever in an audible voice to a believer. I have never heard myself God speak to me audibly. Oh, I've heard God speak to me in a million ways, but not, this is Yahweh, Pastor Mark. Yeah, right. Never have heard it. So, how do I hear God? Well, here's God, and here's man. God and man. We're in the New Testament. God doesn't speak audibly like he did in the Old Testament. So how in the world am I going to hear God? There's something missing. This is God's mind. He speaks through the Bible. This is God's mind. That's how I hear God. Notice, today, God speaks primarily through the written word, the Bible. You see, the Bible is simply the mind of God on paper. When we open the Bible, God opens his mouth. So if you never open the Bible... You will not hear God speak. And if you don't have time to sit down with the Bible, 10 minutes a day, read a passage, learn from it, you will never hear God speak to you. And if you never hear God speak to you, you can't direct your life. Because you trying to direct your life, me trying to direct my life, it will come apart. And I'll have more decisions that I wish I never took. This is the mind of God. Do you want to know what God thinks? Open it. That's what he thinks. Oh, Pastor Mark, this is outdated. No, you're outdated. God's word will never pass away. It never changes. It's totally fresh. Now, so that is what has to be there. Now, when you look at that book, Paul wrote this, and I think it's possible for us to get this. Look at Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is, say it with me, living and what? Now, what does that mean, the word of God is living? Well, it means it has life in it. Well, how did it get life in it? God breathed the word through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the author of the Bible, and God breathed it. Now, when you see that, the next thing it says, it's active. The Bible is not just a piece of paper. It's active, it's alive, it's energetic, it's productive, it's effective. If you get into the word of God, and the word of God gets into you, it will change your life. It has to be fresh. It has to be current in your life. You just don't read the Bible when you're head. You read the Bible so it goes to your heart. Man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. You have to understand it. But so many of us want to do life without the Bible. It won't work. That's why I challenge you all the time. Pass out Bibles. Get a Bible. And so many of you, and I don't mean this negative, you just sit there and look at me. Look, I'm alive, but I'm not the word of God. Understand the Bible. That's why he gave it to us. Now, notice the next thing happens. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to the dividing of spirit Joints and marrow. What does that mean? It penetrates. 
it exposes the inner part of man. I can't see you. I can't see your inner part. I can't see your motives. No problem for God. And when we read the word of God, it penetrates. It exposes who we really are. Then it says judges. It sifts out the truth. The word of God reveals the real me. I don't like that sometimes. How about you? But I know the real me is there. Now, how can it do that? Because nothing is hidden from God. And that's a good thing. He can read our hearts. That's what happens when you read the word of God. Remember, it convicts. I need that. Now, the Bible gives us great insight into how we should read the Bible. I'll give you numbers of ways for you to do that. It's not like, Pastor Mark, you're going to tell us we've got to have four hours every morning. What am I going to do for a job? Relax. Don't be stupid. God will speak to you. He can speak to you in a second. But he can speak to you when you make a habit of meeting with him 10 to 15 minutes. Now, how does that look? Well, let me give you an example. Here's what the Bible says. Look at this. How should we start our day? Now, some of you work shift work and all that kind of stuff. You just modify it. It's not a problem. Look at Psalm 5.3. Say the first three words. In the morning. Does that mean anything? Hello. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. So we start in the morning, but I'm expecting God to answer. You have to pray in faith. Psalm 143.8. Let me hear of your unfailing love. Say these two words with me. Each morning. Pastor Mark, you just ruined it. Seven days a week. Relax. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning. For I'm trusting you. What am I trusting him for? Show me where to walk. For I give myself to you. You know, if God wants us to meet with him every morning... It can be a very short meeting. Do you know when you got up this morning, his mercies were brand new. Anybody need that this morning? I'll need it every morning. God says, when we meet with God, there's many ways of making a healthy habit that will impact our lives. Next week, I'll show you what that looks like. Abram learned this. We don't know how often, but we know he learned how to worship God. Here's a picture of Abram. Here's Abram, a brand new believer, doesn't get hardly anything, but he knows everything that's changed in his life was because of one person, the living God. And he's not going to be perfect. He's going to make some big mistakes, just like all of us. But he knew to worship God. And that's why you're here And that's why I'm here, is to worship the one true God. And as we move through this series, you're going to learn in 15 minutes in the morning, you can absolutely hear God speak to you. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark talked about the role faith plays in your walk with God. You heard about Abram and his willingness to trust this God he'd never heard of before. Pastor Mark also talked about how God spoke to some people in the Old Testament, often with an audible voice, and how it's different for you now. You learn that when you open the Bible, it's like opening the mouth of God. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. This wraps up part one in Pastor Mark's series called Come Apart or Come A-P-A-R-T. Next time he'll continue in the same vein, he'll be talking about your need to seek God's wisdom and direction for your life. You'll find out how you can do that, and it's easier than you might think. You'll also find out about a sickness you might not know that you have. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.